Welcome in to another edition of Rick and Bubba University. Uh, today we're excited. Uh, we, we, we talked to Betty Lou Bussey. Of course, Bubba, that's, uh, that's your wife. And today we will interview the other wife of the Rick and Bubba show, Sherry Burgess. Sherry, welcome. Hey, Sherry. Hey. I'm so glad that you could join us <laughs> on Rick and Bubba University. Now, if you're listening to this or you're watching this, uh, you may not be aware of all the other programming that's available on Blaze TV. We're, we're part of the Blaze TV team, but right now there's a special going on. If you go to blazetv.com slash Bubba, if you use that URL, you can get $10 off. And It's news and entertainment for people who love America. Are, are you tired of the conservative point of view being filtered when you certainly need Blaze TV? You don't need a cable subscription. Don't have to worry about that. You can watch every Blaze TV show on your TV with apps from Roku, Apple TV, uh, Chromecast, uh, Amazon Fire TV, and more. Uh, you can just uh, you can get on just about everything. Uh, you'll hear from Stephen Crowder, Eric Bowling, Phil Robertson, Glenn Beck, Mark Levin, and, and many more, including the Rick and Bubba Show. All right, so if we start our, our talk. We have to go back to to the beginning. And Bubba, you were there uh, when when we were doing. I was witness. We were doing the Rick and Bubba show. It was 1994, and we were told by news legend Dave Fitz, Dave Fitz. and our general manager at the time, we have a new newswoman, and we would like for you guys to meet her, and we were introduced to then Sherry Bodine. And I remember the first time I saw you thinking to myself, this is the most beautiful woman that I have ever seen. <laughs> and, and Bubba, God love you. Uh, must have felt bad for me thinking, Rick, please, please don't embarrass yourself by thinking you can get this woman to go out with yeah, you. Yeah, well, you know, best I remember, uh, in during the morning show, we didn't know who was going to be doing the news at any given time. It might be Fitz one day. Mm-hmm. It might yeah. be. And he had some other people that worked for him. Uh, who was the girl that worked before you? Anna? Wasn't her name Anna something? Was it Anna Clayton? Yeah. No, something no, like no, no. That. I don't remember. We went to school with Anna, Anna Phillips. Clayton. Anna Phillips. Okay. Thank you. Okay. And uh, when she left, and she'd been there a long time, and uh, Sherry came in, and I knew that you had some interest. I thought, I don't know, Rick. I think she may be, you know, I don't want to say out of your league. That's not a good way to say say it. it, but That's what you mean. You might as well say it. You know, it just kind of wasn't your – I I just didn't see y'all jiving at the time. I'll put it that way. Well, do you remember, Sherry, when we we first met, your first entrance into the show? I do. I remember the very first time I saw you, Rick. We were passing each other in the hallway, and do you remember this? We turned around and we looked at each other, and I told you that I knew your dad. Yes. Somebody had told me that your dad was Coach Burgess from the university that we all mm-hmm. went to. I didn't know either of you in, in college but uh, because you were both a little bit older than me. But um, I remember exchanging that glance, and there was just something about you that I think instantly I was drawn to. I think, Bubba, there's this magnetic charm about Rick that makes people feel like they are the most important person in the world. And that's how I felt around him. And I think the way, um, the reason why he can make people feel that way is because he's so comfortable in his own skin and who he is as a person and who God created him to be, that he's not intimidated or threatened. If he lets this person shine, he knows that's not going to take away from him in any way or or diminish him. 
in any way at all. And so he did. He made me feel like I was the absolute most beautiful girl in the world. He made me feel important, um, like no one else would do. And you know what? I, I married him. I fell in love with him. And standing there that day at the altar with you, Rick, I felt like I was in the right place at the right time for the first time in my life. I felt God's presence there at the altar. And I felt, I felt an anointing, a blessing, God's hand upon not just you, not just me, but upon us that God ordained our marriage, that it was meant to be. It was no coincidence that I ended up being the news girl at uh, your station and that we met. But I believe that I was perfectly created to be your helper. And, and but no, there was a few steps in between. Yeah, and there's no doubt that you were, and, 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 and you have been. Uh-huh. Uh, but do you remember the song that, that turned it all? Well, even was it before that? Because I remember you telling me you were going to ask Sherry to lunch, and yes. we were like, "Oh no, Rick! It, yeah. we, we figured this was going to be yeah. it y'all was going to be tragedy for you." I can't figure out whether to be offended or bothered by how y'all were trying to protect me <laughs> from, from rejection and disappointment. Well, honestly, because y'all were professional in the news area and yeah. we were not, right? You know, there was a kind of I felt like a little standoffish situation there. You know. Uh, that you know, y'all didn't really talk to us a lot. You know what I mean? During mm-hmm. the because you came in, you ran out. You know, yeah. but I remember Rick saying he was going to ask you lunch, and and uh, I, I really I didn't think that was going to go well to begin with. And then at lunch, I think didn't Sherry just tell you she wanted to be your friend? You know, something we, like that. We talked about this a little bit when we had Betty on, and, yeah. and it seemed to resonate. And you said the same thing the other day when you and I were talking about how men have seemed to have lost the ability to pursue women. Yes. Uh, it's it's now awkward and and you tried to do the the friend card early on mm-hmm. and and do you remember what I said? Well, he said that he had friends right. and they were guys. Right. So, right. Um he wasn't interested in being my friend. Right. He wanted something else or nothing at all. Right. And right. you know what? I, like, like I said, Rick has this magnetism about him that I was definitely drawn to. And if I couldn't be just a friend, I wanted to be something. I knew that. But I, I will tell you, Rick had something that a lot of guys don't have, and that's a microphone. Right. And a radio show. Right. And so, you know, I'm young. I was 22 years old when I first started working. A mere babe. Yep. Yeah. I, I was just out of college. This was my first real full-time job out of college. and I was 22 years old, and I, I actually was still living with my parents in Gunnersville and driving in to work. And so I'm driving in one day, and I'm listening to, to y'all on the, on the radio, and... Um, and I hear Rick singing this song. <laughs> uh, Sherry, read me the news tonight. It right. was Eric Clapton's um, You Look Wonderful Tonight, yeah. but he had changed the words to Sherry, read me the news tonight. And for somebody my age to hear, <laughs> to, 
to hear that. Somebody singing to me, basically serenading me. I mean, this is a Romeo moment here. It really you was. Know, he I'm was, glad you said that, so I didn't have to. He was uh, serenading me on the radio. And yes, it was funny. It was hilarious. But that is a part of his charm. He's so funny. And I know Betty would say the say the same thing about you, that you're both so funny and fun and and that's important. Yeah. You know, it's not all about the romance, but it's also about having fun together. And Rick and I have so much fun together. Um, we we are completely in love, but we are best friends. One of the best things about our marriage is just Saturday mornings, coffee and conversation is what we call it. We love to talk and just break things down and... Um, and uh, just spend time together. Yeah, we have this. We have this area where there's like four chairs that face each other, yeah. and on any time that we're on vacation or a Saturday that we don't have to be anywhere, which we have more of those now because of the empty nest time we're going through, uh, and we just sit one chair facing the other, get our coffee out, and we'll get in there and, and break down, uh, you know, what's going on with the family. We might get into deep theological discussions, uh, get the Word of God out, uh, pray together. Uh, tell funny stories to each other, uh, stories that we remember from being kids. And I think that's important because we almost have these little markers set up. You hear people all the time going, well, I'll tell you what the problem is, is lack of communication. One thing that, that I think you have to be intentional about is not to have a breakdown in communication, which means take some time that you set aside where you and your spouse sit down and get caught up because you get to running in so many different directions and spend time focusing on each other and talking and spending time together just in conversation. Well, I remember when you did the song. I thought, well, it's full court press now. Oh, I, it was on there. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, he did it in such a way. He was so clever in this way is that he did it in a way that could have been, oh, I'm just joking. Right. You know, Gotta and leave yourself so out. he didn't really put himself <laughs> all the way out there. Um, but it was so flattering. I mean, somebody singing a song about you on the radio, my gosh. I mean, I was done. I mean, you know, and then we did go. We Our first lunch that we ever went to was at Red Lobster there in Gadsden. Yep. And, um, Do you have the orange roughy? <laughs> the orange roughy. <laughs> I don't remember what I ate, but I will tell you that I never, ever went out with anyone else after that. You know, that was it. It was me and Rick that from was that the, moment on. It took me a it minute was. to make it happen, but once we went out, yeah. We just he had me. <laughs> we we just, we just connected and and it was like a uh you know and so when we got down to our marriage because I think this is important too and this is what makes our anniversary which is coming up in February uh special is we were kind of at different places spiritually in our lives both mm-hmm. of us and and it was the marriage counseling mm-hmm. when we when I was trying to find a place to get married in Gadsden because it was a good central location where you're parents and your family lived and and where my family was from and the fact the show was there you know we were always looking for deals you know go out and whatever (laughs) and and we and i ran into rick cagle who was the pastor and he's gone on to to heaven now uh, at the first baptist gadsden and he and i started a conversation Mm -hmm. about getting married there which led to me reflecting where i was spiritually right and then ultimately he started uh giving you and i marriage counseling and and uh, without hyperbole or exaggerating, not only were we coming together as husband and wife, we both were getting our life together spiritually at the same time. 
I think that we were just tired. We were tired of running. Mm -hmm. We were tired of sin. I know I was. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Rick Cagle said to us is that if you don't have a church home, you need to get one. Right. And the... It was the Sunday we got back from our honeymoon that we walked into Lakeview Baptist Church in Oxford, Alabama, and instantly felt at home. I felt I had walked into my home. I loved that church. That was the church where Rick and I were members for the first two years of our marriage, and it was just this wonderful, wonderful um foundation for me. That's where it all started. I was baptized in that church um, four months after we got married. We were married in February of 1996, and I was baptized there at, at, at Lakes, Lakeview. Was it Lakeview? Mm-hmm, Lakeview. Um, in uh, that April. Um, but the thing that stands out to me about that church is, Uh, so much is that, um, well, I took this Bible study class. I remember when I was a kid looking up into the sky and wondering, really wondering, where are you, God? Do you see me? Do you love me? Why can't I see you? And when we, um, when I started taking that Bible study class in, um, at that church, it was called the mind of Christ. And there was this great awakening in me of, oh, wow, here are the answers. The Bible holds all of the answers, all of those things that I wondered about growing up. What's it all about? Who are you, God? I mean, things that, that I didn't understand. Like, I knew all along. I mean, I had heard all my life that Jesus died for my sins, but I didn't understand why because I didn't understand the Bible. But here it was being illuminated before me, and I was loving it. And I truly fell in love with God's Word at that time, and I could not get enough of it. And so I started reading, studying, everything I could get my hands on, commentaries, um, growing. We were growing by leaps and bounds at, at, at that time. And so, you know, there was this firm foundation that we got right there that, and this love of the Bible so that I knew where, um, where I could find answers when other things came along in our lives, like this great uh, calamity that we had of losing a child, um, I knew where I could get my answers. Uh, And that was the Bible. And the Bible, as Rick likes to say, is not silent on why God allows horrible things like your baby to drown in your own backyard. You know, there are answers for that. And I think it's important that people understand that. Um, there's a there's a parable in the Bible that I love called the parable of the sower. And in it, um, Jesus teaches that it's the person that doesn't understand 
that is the one that Satan snatches what has been sown in the heart of that person. And so I think understanding is key. I have heard people say, well, I don't really have to understand God. I just have to trust God. And I think that that is the start of a walk with God, trusting in who he is, believing in him. Faith is a beginning. But then the Bible teaches us to add to our faith virtue, which is just goodness, and then to our virtue, knowledge. And so this understanding of all these questions that I had had all of my life um, and where I could find the answers in the Bible is just key to the rest of our marriage and the rest of our walk with God uh, to this point. Yeah, you, you made a great statement the other day when you and I were talking about how many times the Bible says understanding, meaning so you can understand this or understand that or understand that, and it's over and over and over. In the mm-hmm. Bible, the word understanding, meaning there, the answers are there. A lot of times, I'm speaking about my own life, mm-hmm. I would claim I didn't know something as if no one knew it or it wasn't in the Bible, but really the reason why I didn't know it, I didn't know the Bible. It was there. I just had never put any effort into finding it. We certainly aren't saved by anything other than grace. You know, we're saved by grace through faith. Uh, but the, but it's a faith that's action. Greg Morrison. Yeah, it's always action. And that's the thing I think we miss. The, the reason why faith is in there, too, like we said before, Abraham in, in Hebrews 11 didn't show that his faith was real by hearing God say go. He showed he believed by going. Noah didn't have great faith by acknowledging, yes, I believe you're going to destroy the earth by water, and I believe you want me to build this gigantic whatever this is. <laughs> but then he didn't. his faith wasn't proven true until he actually started building it. And so I think there's a pursuit not for salvation, but a pursuit to have effectiveness and to understand who God is so it will be more powerful. And I think as you and I went through that process, and I'm so thankful for those people early in our life like Jerry Starlin who who discipled us those first two years. I mean, Bubba, I went from being the man I was before to holding hands in a circle, praying on Monday night visitation. I'd never had that experience in church my entire life. I attended church, but I was never really uh, involved in church. Um, and, and I think that kind of was the reason why when, when we had our, our greatest trial, uh, which uh, this Sunday, the 19th, will be 12 years ago uh, when Bronner uh, went into heaven, and this weekend, and we hope it happens this weekend. If not, it'll be the first few days of next week, but it's scheduled to be this weekend. The book that you wrote uh, mm-hmm. that came out in 2016, uh, Bronner, A Journey to Understand. There's Understand again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and if you haven't read that, I would highly suggest it. It's coming out on auto, audiobook this weekend, uh, audible.com, iTunes, wherever you get audiobooks. But it also will have a bonus chapter. But first, tell us what it was like to do to actually go and record the book. Well, it was a lot of fun, and I will tell you why. Because um, of who was recording it, and that is a good friend of yours. Mm. Both of you are good friends with Mark Phillips, and he just has this studio in his basement, and so I would go down there. It was so casual. I mean, I would go with my sweats on and Mm. no makeup and just, you know, record. And the thing about Mark is that he has gone through cancer himself, and... um, he would stop me right in the middle of a sentence and say, that's right, sister, you know, amen. You know, I had that same experience. And so (laughs) he was living it with me and I was reliving it. We, we, um, we lost Bronner 
in 2008. So we're coming up on the 12th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And so I began speaking about it. You began speaking about it almost immediately that same year that it happened. We were speaking, writing, talking about it uh, for years. And, um, you know, we launched this book that I wrote about it in 2016. And, you know, after the book came out, there was a lot uh, to do with that launch and speaking about it and promoting the book and all of that. Um, and then, you know, we had Brooks and Brody become a senior back to back, and I felt called to step back into that motherhood role and just kind of concentrate uh, on them those last two years of their high school. And so getting back in the studio and reading that out loud, again, just brought it all all back to me, and um, it's a powerful, powerful, um, powerful story about the why. And I, you know, back to the Bible and how important it is. I do believe that there is an attack, no doubt, on on God's word today in in this world. Yeah, more than ever. Yeah, and I believe that Satan is behind it. And I can speak from experience that losing a child and anything like like with Mark, it was cancer, and others, it's losing a job, or you know, there's so many things that people have to deal with, and they're devastating. I believe that um, Satan would have liked to have killed me on that. I think that was his purpose. You know, Rick and I have talked about this before that. You know, one of the things my dad really drilled into me as a child, because it was kind of scary, um, is that Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. That really stood out to me. That was scary. You know, Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. So I, you know, I, I can't stand a liar. Don't want to lie. Try not, you know, lying is bad. Mm-hmm. That he drilled into me. Well, the Bible says when you lie, you're speaking the language of Satan. Yes. Yeah. But one of the things that you and I were talking about the other day, Rick, was that Satan is not only a liar, he's a murderer. Right. He, has a, he was a murderer from the beginning, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I believe that is what he intended to do, because I believe that I make you stronger. No doubt. And make you better. I think that you are a warrior for God. You uh, are a mouthpiece for God, and me standing beside you as your helper strengthens you and makes you stronger. So I think he was trying to get rid of me by taking away my child because he knew that was going to be so devastating. But I was so rooted and grounded in God's word and, and loved God as my father, my heavenly father, and I ran to him when this happened asking the why, the hard questions. And that's the, the answers that we found together about the why in the Bible, in what God said to us, is what my book is about. And I think that's why Satan wants to discredit the Bible. I think that's what this movement is all about, because I believe if he can take the understanding away, the answers away, the why away, then he can destroy you. He can destroy people. If, if that's taken out of the, if the word of God is discredited, then any answer the word of God has is 
it's not valid. No one's going to go there because now you can't depend on the Word of God because it may not be dependable. And uh, and I think that's why you see this attack going on and this deception. And it sadly is even going on in, in a lot of the churches. But uh, but I know that when, when you were, were putting out the audio book, you also have added a chapter. There's a bonus chapter that's on it. So, so tell us about that bonus chapter. Well, it's, um, it's about... Uh it's about calamity, and that's what we walked through was calamity. I don't, I don't say that it was um, a tragedy what happened with, with Bronner, um, because I believe it was in God's will to, um, to take him. I think that God used this pain and suffering in our lives to refine us, to grow us, to teach us. I think that um, when we understand that this world is not perfect or heaven it wants he wants us to reach out for the more that God has for us and I believe that God is the more he wants us to dig deeper to go farther with him and to be healed of our uh, of our sinful uh, selfish ways for me it was pride uh, self-reliance and worldliness and so I think when God puts us in the furnace of affliction, it melts that dross of sin away. And for me, God gave me this verse. He gave me 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2, that, um, that says that those who have suffered in the flesh have ceased from sin so as to live no longer in the flesh for sin, but for the will of God. And that's, um, that's what I want to do with my life, just live for his will and for his glory, not mine. So then that kind of takes us, and I've been telling Bubba about this, and I know it's been difficult because it's a lot of work. You, you're you now trying to learn French, and you've been working on on French. And, uh, you know, this has been, you know, Bubba and I, when we think about even the remote thought of going back to school for, oh, any, my gracious. for, for anything, uh, but you've been, you, you feel like this is something else that God has placed in your life, um, uh, the French-speaking parts of the world. So, so tell us about that. Jésus m'a donné ma vie. Maintenant, uh, je veux partager cette vie avec les autres. C'est tout. Exactly. Where's my Google Translate? <laughs> so, no, yeah. it, goes, it sounded very sweet. Really, I don't know what it was, yeah. but it was very kind. Yeah. It honestly goes back to our days at Wax Radio <laughs> and... Q104, right. years ago, uh, where we met, and that newsroom, right. and Dave Fitz that you yeah. mentioned. Dave Fitz was a character, let me tell you. He, I was going to ask you about him a minute ago, how he felt when all this kicked off a little bit, yeah. but we kind of we moved on. Yeah, so. right, yeah. he, he was my boss. It was just the two yeah. of us in the newsroom. This was a very old school, very small operation, news talk. Uh, radio, and he was the classic newsman with his black horn rimmed glasses and white button down shirt. Manual typewriter. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And his picture of Paul Harvey. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, again, I was I was young and inexperienced, and he was sending me out to interview everybody uh, who was newsworthy that ever came through that place, you know? And so I remember 
him sending me out to interview a congressman. And I was very nervous about that. I was young and I was like, I've never met a congressman before. And you want me to go interview him? And he looked at me and he said, what? He pulls his pants legs on one leg at a time, just like you do. And that, that stood out to me. That stuck with me. I was like, you know what? I had never thought about that before. And it gave me um, the understanding that people are just people. And I had to go out and interview that, that congressman and felt just fine about it. I had the confidence to do it and did it well. And like I say, interviewed all kinds of people. And so I can do that. I can walk up to a complete stranger and talk to them about Jesus. And so, uh, you know, Rick and I spent two years at Lakeview Baptist Church in Oxford, but then when we moved to Birmingham, we started going to Shades Mountain Baptist, and our pastor was leading us on this um, this journey of missions that uh, was very intense. And so we had all these missionaries coming in, talking about uh, the mission work around the world. And so we got excited about it, and we started going on mission trips. We have been all over the world. And yeah, you have. You've been yeah. all over. Yeah, we have. We, yeah. we really have. And I personally found that it was easy for me to knock on a door and talk to a complete stranger about God, um, to um, walk up to someone I don't know in a park and and carry on a gospel conversation. That is... Um, easy for me i think i'm good at it and I, I and i like doing it are you saying we can thank dave fitz for this we can thank dave fitz well, for that you, well look at that dave good job yes and so anyway as we were going around to all of these countries and cities and and sharing the gospel with different people i learned that uh, one of the groups of people in the world who may be the least uh, one of the least ministered to are the French-speaking people. For whatever reason, they um, threw off the church and and Christianity and embraced secularism. And um, and I know that can't be enough for people. I know what life is like apart from the truth and apart from the Bible, I've lived and walked in darkness before. But when Jesus took my hand and pulled me up out of darkness, and when I say darkness, I'm I I, I see darkness as as ignorance. I was ignorant. It's almost like when you come out into the light <laughs> that Jesus comes to you. It, it really truly is like scales falling off of your eyes, and you can see clearly for the first time. And there's just so much uh, to be gained in life by knowing God. And it's not, it's not just eternal life. And I will tell you, Rick and I talk about this. I mean, when I think about hell, people don't think about hell much these days. But when I think about anyone being in hell, I, I can't imagine it. I cannot imagine being stuck there forever. Talking about claustrophobia. Yeah, I mean, what yeah. you can't you can't leave, and right. it's so. 
um, one of the things that God said to me when we lost Bronner, you know, I wanted to know, well, why? Why would you take the children? Why do you want to take the children, God? Um, I heard him say back to me, um, they're all mine. Mm-hmm. Because I said to him, I know you lost your son, but you got him back after three days. I could handle three days. Right. You know? But he said, what about the others? They're all mine. That's You're right. going to get this glorious reunion with your son, but I don't get that with all of mine. And so I understood that God was going to use you and me and Bronner to bring lost souls to himself. And that's everyone. Right. And, and when you and I were going around, Bubba, and this is one of the things that, that and Sherry pointed out, and, and she's right, and I'm not saying that we give up or, hey, we've done enough. When you go into third world countries, the church has done a pretty good job of reaching third world countries. And really you go there and find that the, the, the seeds have been planted mm-hmm. and you're just kind of now, you know, coming along behind that part and trying to disciple, and, and there's churches set up, and there's good theology, but you go to first-world French-speaking nations, and it's a complete rejection. I mean, it, it, it the, really, that's almost, and I'm not, I know there's people working on it. I'm not saying you're the only person who ever thought of this. There are people there, but it's, it's a tougher thing when you're talking to unreached people groups right. as opposed to a group of people that said, oh, we know about the church, strong coal. and yeah. we reject it. Yeah. And uh, and so you know there was there's there was just a draw uh, for Sherry to go there, and then of course the beautiful part in Acts, which really spoke to you, and I I, I credit you for this because learning another language is so difficult. But it's the moment when Paul stands up in Acts, and there's chaos, and he begins to speak to the Hebrews in their own in language. their own language, and there was a hush that came over the yeah. crowd because there's something about speaking to people in their own language that well i hope it will will show them that i care that i'm i'm even making an effort i'm not fluent yet i'm trying but um but i hope that when we go to montreal in the fall and that is something that we hope to do rick and i um that i'll be able to speak to the people in their their language and i think that um number 1 i hope that it will show them that i care that's um it that's does break demanding. down barriers and yes. you know we've we've used translators before and that's a kind of a a tough rhythm you know, when you're talking and someone's translating, then you're talking and someone's translating. And there's nothing against it. As a matter of fact, that will be my only hope. Yeah. But, yeah. but, and I've certainly done it. It's effective. But for you to be able to, you will, you will it makes not, you very concise on what you're saying. Right, you don't right, ramble much. Right. Well, you will break down so many barriers, especially when French speaking people who have become. Well, they're very proud of their language. Right. And to see they you love make. love their language. And it's um, a good one. It's a I'll great language. It. I, it's a very nice language. But everybody just, likes to hear them talk. But yeah. it will yeah. break down so many barriers, just like pain and suffering breaks down a barrier. Uh, and we've seen that. Okay, I'll, I'll let you talk because you've been through something and I can't believe you're still on your on two feet. How that breaks down. When you know their language, you've already knocked down a barrier because they're like, wow, what an effort. You know, even if all you do is take the message you have for them and learn to give it to them in their own language. And, of course, you know, now Bronner uh, is being translated uh, into French. So, so yes, that, that, that is another well, project well, we're working on that I yeah. hope comes to fruition. Um, but 
you know, one of the other things that confirmed this um, learning the language was when we went to Nicaragua. We had a young woman there who was a Spanish teacher and uh, with us on the trip. And just watching how she was able to connect with people so quickly compared Mm to, you know, Rick and I, we love to minister to people. We love talking with people. But um, she, we needed a translator, and she was able to just connect immediately. And seeing how beautiful that connection was and how um, she could look right into the eyes of someone and speak directly to them uh, was really inspiring to me to, uh, that, that I was on the right track. We've got about eight minutes. Talk a little bit, because I know there's other people listening to this, watching this, especially moms. And they're going through the empty nest. Uh, the empty nest uh, it was a little tougher adjustment. Now, obviously, the situation that we're in, you know, with the, uh, the fact that one of our you know, children is already in heaven, uh, that kind of made the empty nest a little different because, you know, and we, and not that we, we, we totally submit to God's plan. And we know that Bronner's life was, was short on earth, but it was perfect. And that's confirmed over and over again uh, by God. But... It's a little different. It's hard anyway when you're, the emptiness happens to mom. Uh, but uh, when, when Brody went off to college, it was tough, wasn't it? I mean, you had a tough time with that. Oh, my goodness, Rick. Um, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought, you know, because I have so many goals. I want to learn French. I want to write another book. I've thought about going to seminary. There are so many things that I want to do personally that I thought, oh, when Brody goes to college and I don't have any kids to take care of anymore, I can just really focus on all these projects and and uh, get going. But that is not what happened. I was a weepy mess <laughs> when that boy left. Oh my gosh. And I think it is really because our family is so close. We mm. have gone through so much together. Yeah. Um, we've been around the world together. We have traveled. We have um, just been so close. And Brody was the last one to leave. And he and I have a really cool connection over writing. And um, he's a lot like me. He has He's a thinker. Um, he's a writer. And I'm so proud of that. I think he's better than me. So just watch. He's going to be writing books one day. And, and I hope um, I hope to to be able to come on and, and cheer him along as he's writing books and, and making things happen in the world. He's a cool kid. And, and you know, um, and they all are. They really all are. But, um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I just think it takes time. And yeah, I, I was all fired an, up. I was all fired up. It's adjustment, you know? I, I love the kids and all this, but I was, I'm dad. I was fired up because this is like Sherry said, and you said it with Betty too. These really are our best friends, you know, yeah. and I think that, that sadly a lot of marriages don't see their spouse as their best friend. Yeah. And I know you and Betty clearly have that relationship. <laughs> Sherry and I have that relationship. So I was kind of like, it's almost like you have your best friend. Now we got a lot more time <laughs> to do our best friend stuff. And, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. And some of the teenage <laughs> years can be stressful, yeah. and, you know, those <laughs> later years. And as they said on the Goldbergs one time, or it was the middle, I think, where the dad said, maybe this is God's way of making this separation go a right, little easier. Because right. you're kind of like, oh, I need a break. Yeah, and, and, and like I say, we, we were, we've had great time with our kids. I mean, no, no, nobody goes through anything, uh, you know, and everybody do everything perfectly. But for the most part, we kind of felt like we got through those tough years 
you know, without any major problems. And I thought this is the way we want. We got they got into college. I mean, that's not always a, a given. <laughs> and uh, they're in college, and here we are. And I look over, and Sherry's like uh, just struggling with it. And so I wasn't ready to be. It the, really didn't yeah. even hit me. I mean, yeah. I think I was in denial right. that that he was leaving until the day he actually left. And right. it was August 15th, my birthday. We had to drop him off at, at Auburn. And, you know, I just, we when we walked out of that dorm, I was like, Rick, I'm not ready to leave him. <laughs> right. And so I had to go back in. I mean, I literally got out of his truck and said, I've got to go back I in. i got to go one more time. Yeah, <laughs> give him another hug and. She washes their clothes with joy. They come home with their clothes. And she to watch. She's like, "Oh, this is so great because I'm washing their clothes because that means they're home right now." Well, it's because we're just glad it, I still have theirs. Right, that's yeah. true. It's because it feels normal and change is hard. Yeah, it is, and it takes uh, some adjusting, uh, adjusting too. And honestly, Rick, I haven't figured it out yet. I mean, we're gonna well, you to, seem to be in a you know? much better right now. You and I are, are having a blast and cutting up, and and plus, I've told you. Uh, and you agree, it's you, It's time to get you, and you've been in the game. You've been doing your role as a mother. You've been doing your role as a wife. And like you said about a helper, if you look to the scriptures, it clearly says, I will now make a helper, you know, fit uh, for, for Adam. So for man's, the perfect helper is is a woman. And you certainly are that to me. And uh, But I was kind of like, all right, it, now, now we got to get you back in the game and get you engaged. And you certainly are, are jumping right back in there. Well, I I certainly hope so. I have a lot of goals, and I think uh, having something to look forward to is is important. I'm looking forward to um, a lot of things in ministry. I'm looking forward to, um, you know, different stages in life and embracing embracing those. I I really am enjoying getting to know Rick again, even more. Mm-hmm. Um, we laughed. We had some friends come over over the holidays, and they said, "What what's been the best part of of your Christmas?" And Rick said, "Snuggling." Sure, sure. you weren't supposed to talk about that. I mean, and it's true. I talked about holding hands. Yeah. We we um, snuggly snuggle. We love to snuggle, and I <laughs> I'm not kidding. I know I sound like Buddy the Elf, but <laughs> but we do, and I think it's because y'all are here in the morning. So right, they don't get you know, the morning time. He's he's out the door before I wake up, and so you know those Saturday mornings, uh, if we could sleep a little late, snuggle a little bit, and then. Um, have coffee and conversation and just talk and work things. You know, just spending time with Rick has been has been great. He's such a fun person to be around. So, you know, we've got to just continue. Well, and and people would be very <laughs> maybe surprised, but they they can't be too surprised because you married me. But this one right here, I'm pointing to Sherry for those of you who are listening, has a great sense of humor as well, and and she can laugh as hard and hearty at things as we do. And uh, I don't know that people know, but if you married me, you had to have some kind of sense. But hey, that one right there loves a good one. I, I do. I'm not funny myself, but <laughs> oh, I'm really, that's debatable. Yeah. I'm really not. I'm I am kind of serious, but as far as you know, I love to study. I'm a little bit of a geek, a little bit nerdy, <laughs> but um, but um, Rick just. We're glad somebody likes to study. That's right. Yeah. Rick is that. just a joy and a delight, and he. Um, makes life fun, you know. And my boys, my boys are so silly sometimes, and they just right. cut up, and they—they're um, just a joy, you know. So I'm glad. I'm glad I have all of y'all. Well, we're updated on all things Sherry Burgess. 
thank you, honey, for coming on and, and being on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Always a blast. Proud of you. Uh, and you. and uh, the impact that you have had and continue to have for the kingdom. You are a wonderful wife. Uh, I, I'm thankful for you every day. You're a great mother. And uh, thanks for taking time to be with us. Don't forget the book, Bronner, A Journey to Understand, is coming out. Uh, audio version on audible.com and wherever you get audio books this weekend. If it's not there this weekend, it'll be there probably first of the week. And it does have a bonus chapter. So thanks for being with us. Thanks, Sherry. On this edition thanks. of Rick and Bubba University. Thanks.